0: Bitcoin, crypto, and batchable computing, could they be the keys to scaling the renewable sector? I sit down with experts to discuss the path to making renewables the primary, most affordable energy source. Welcome to Season 2 of Clean Integration, a Saluna podcast. I'm John Belazier, CEO of Saluna, and your host. First, let me introduce my guest. So, I'm very energized to speak with Renee Ramirez, a serial entrepreneur in the emerging crypto and clean energy space, about the current and future landscapes of institutional investment in crypto and renewable energy, and what we can expect as crypto and renewables gain mass adoption in tandem. Renee is the founder of Fino Advisors LLC. Through Fino, Rene has worked on a variety of projects involving the North American power markets, renewable energy, hydro energy, along with more traditional infrastructure projects. Prior to Fino Advisors, Rene founded Fino Trading, LLC, in 2009, a power trading hedge fund focused on trading short and long-term futures contracts. Rene, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Great. I'm happy to be here.
0: Renee. before we jump in, um, I want to talk about institutional capital, you know, monetizing power, et cetera. Um, how did you get into the energy business?
1: Oh, man. It's uh, right out of college. I went right into asset valuation for a utility out here. This was during the Enron times. And uh, it just so happened uh, uh, there was a lady named... Uh, i'm just gonna give her a shout out i'm not sure she's even around anymore in the space but her name was cynthia dyer and she's like you know what i like you and she got me a job and we're working in a place mm-hmm. called energy and i look around and everyone i see has mbas from these really fancy schools and here yeah. i am public school guy you know decent grades yeah. but not amazing and i'm like you know what i'm definitely swimming with the with the big fish here and uh <laughs> that was my first job in the uh, Started trading a year after, and I've been trading 20 years now, I guess.
0: And what made you decide to sort of break away and start your, your own firm?
1: I wasn't satisfied with the, the bonus on my last company. <laughs> <laughs> so I well, hope that I it was a long time ago. And there were a lot of things going on in 2009, as you can imagine, with the financial crisis. Yeah. But, uh, right. you know, I made good money, and I'm like, you know what? This bonus ain't good enough. And I decided I could do this on my own and uh, started Torfino trading, you know, people said, where'd you come up with Torfino? I'm like, well, it means fine bull. (laughs) I just put the two words together and uh, it had a good ring to it.
0: What would you say? How would you describe your experience in the trading business? Was it, what would be the headline if if you were talking to a a new young professional sort of coming into the business? You know, how would you describe it for them?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, dealing with the highs and lows Mm -hmm. and dealing with adversity, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, taking success, uh, well, I think uh, that's always something people understand is like, Hey, when things go great, taking a stride and you know, you're going to have tough times, you're going to have good times, but the big thing that you always want to think about trading, I tell this to everyone that's young, the most important thing you should learn is managing risk and uh, stopping out isn't a failure. Stopping out has saved uh, a lot of careers, and I've traded 20 years, but you know what? I don't like the risk profile anymore, or at the end of the day, I lost more than I'd like to in this specific trade. It's time to move on and uh, live to fight another day. And I think uh, if anyone ever gets into the space of trading in general, it could be equities or commodities. It's about understanding the risk, understanding managing that risk, but understanding what the parameters should be for any kind of risk you take.
0: That's great. I'd like to start exploring the crypto investing landscape. Love to hear how you you, you first became interested in it. Was it a, a particular deal or opportunity you got involved in? And what do you see are the opportunities right now? Like what does is, what is crypto investing really look like right now to you?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. It's a fun question too. Back and- in 2018, I got a phone call from a friend that said, hey, would you mind speaking to this guy? He's looking for some power. And he calls me up and he says, hey, I'm looking for 250 megawatts around the clock for 10 years. And we have capital behind us. And I kind of looked around and I'm like, holy crap, what do you need that much power for? And they're like, it's for a <laughs> crypto mine." And I'm like, crypto? And I had, honestly, I've seen Bitcoin go up in 2017 and crash down and thought much about it but I went ahead and saw where BTC was trading and I'm like, well, if people are putting that much capital into it, it might be worth uh, uh, dipping my toe. in." And I bought my first Bitcoin right after that phone call and uh, kind of grown ever since and kind of been watching, not just on the trading aspect of the BTC, but watching the industry grow, develop, and see what kind of hurdles they have and kind of where my space, uh, you know, can merge with theirs and say, you know what, what's the better way to do things. I think that's a big part. And, you know, you mentioned capital and housing investing space. Mm. I think we're only now at the front end of big North American capital getting involved. Right. And as they understand the risk more and understand the asset class more, they understand the structure, the value of it, either, uh, you know, directly with BTC or what mining can be to the grid or to other aspects, Mm. uh, people are getting more comfortable.
0: Are you also in the in the flow of what's happening in the re- renewables investing space ever since the yeah. pandemic?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, the renewable space is is interesting right now. Uh, I'll tell you, when it first came on with wind, you know, shoot, I guess 15 years ago when it started coming in for scale, I used to really be annoyed because I'm like, man, these guys are getting production tax credits. They're they're making the power pricing difficult to really ascertain because they're getting paid to run when they shouldn't be running. But I did see the value and I see why the transition was important. And you kind of right. see it mature and obviously went through the stretch where, you know, let's say three to five years ago, you could have bought uh, solar power in West Texas for 23 bucks a megawatt an hour and uh, for 10, 12 year contracts. But now, right. as you start seeing supply chain constraints, you start seeing other issues with inflation, that cost of renewable generation is increasing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you start finding out that, you know, many of these players or developers would price out a project with the anticipation of their uh, raw materials, such as the solar farm, the solar panels or, uh, or the wind turbines to go down in right. price. And they find themselves in a pickle when uh, inflation kicked in. And now all of a sudden that PPA price that they were trying to do isn't quite uh, economic for them anymore.
0: Right. And that's exactly what we see out there and that can put projects in a pretty pickle is probably the right <laughs> word for it.
1: <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to keep it PG job. Trying to keep
0: yeah. It... <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. And just with it, within those two landscapes, there's a lot going on out there. I mean, recently the president, you know, we're recording in 2022. Uh, the president has his hands full with, you know, managing the uh, Ukraine event, but he's also looking at um the maturity of the entire digital assets space and uh he put out this executive order recently and you know it is pretty clear that he believes and his team believes that digital assets are going to be around and he wants to really understand them and you know get the the government's perspective on how it can help improve it to some extent and learn where there might be challenges from a security standpoint and energy standpoint I mean, what do you think that means from an institutional investment standpoint? When, what does it mean when a government starts to look at, you know, a new technological innovation? Is that good for investing in the crypto space or well, what's your take on it? I
1: think it goes without saying it, it's great. I mean, I think uh, we all love decentralization and we want minimal interference by other parties, but playing fields have to be drawn out. Mm-hmm. So everyone understands the rules and uh, can plan accordingly. And I think that's what, you know, the government coming in and saying, you know what, these are the basic rules. Not everyone can invest with a clearer mind. And they're not afraid something's coming out of left field that will totally uh, kill any, you know, large investment they've done in the space. So, uh, you know, I'm all for, uh, for regulation. I think we need responsible regulation. I think that's mm-hmm. always going to be critical. And working right. with the right uh, policy makers to make sure that regulation does make sense for what we're trying to do in the larger scheme of uh, crypto and decentralization. But at the same time, I think it's a needed and useful part of kind of the maturation of of crypto.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I would tend to agree that the, you know, government involvement is not always a bad thing. It actually, you know, lends itself to legitimizing an industry to some extent sometimes. And that could Lead to acceleration as long as it's not overbearing and you know taking away from that innovation, wouldn't you say?
1: I think you're totally right. I think something that you know people got to think of. This has kind of happened throughout our history. You know, if you look at wow. uh, the infrastructure bills during the TVA time, during uh, you know with uh, uh, you know in the 1930s, right? You know, to build all the highways down to the 1950s. I think yeah. the reality is when you look at crypto. It's becoming very clear. This is becoming infrastructure, and developing the infrastructure of the country, be it a road or a bridge, is important. And same thing for the the blockchain space. Let's right. build that infrastructure because it's for the common good, and it's going to add different pathways for people to be successful in whatever they may pursue. I uh,
0: I can definitely uh, agree with that. It's 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 gonna it's it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, there's been an RFI put out, there's there's now lots of information being collected uh, as a result of the executive order. So it'd be interesting to see how that all plays out. And we we plan to respond to it, help the education process, you know? Yeah, absolutely, um, we we'll
1: need smart guys telling the, the politicians what to do. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, I'd love to get your perspective on the future. Um, I feel like the, I mean, I'm new to the energy space, been in there in the space for about four years and it feels like there's just a tremendous amount of change happening right you have lots of capital coming in there's uh retiring of legacy fuel based uh resources lots of generation development um different hedging structures (laughs) it's crazy crypto coming in um i'd love to just kind of pick your brain on um you know, what the future holds. I I always like to start with sort of what the biggest challenges are when you look at some of these new changes. Uh, So, you know, we've been talking about crypto and clean energy and the nexus of those two. What do you think are the challenges with bringing those two worlds together?
1: I think it's always having interest aligned. I think that's a big part. And if you look at the different type of generation coming on, you will need all, all these, all different types of mousetraps. You're gonna need hydrogen, you're gonna need wind, you need solar, you need battery, you need something we don't know yet, right? Obviously yeah. S and with small nuclear reactors. There's a lot of different mousetraps that will all be needed. But for this to happen, you need to have long term PPAs to secure the the risk capital. Right. So I think that's always gonna be the biggest issue is how can you bring this generation online economically and and in a safe way in terms of as an investment. So people aren't having to spend 200, $300 million at a facility without a long-term PPA. And then the same thing that happens with crypto. How can I get five, 10 years of power at a cheap price or a price that works for me in terms of the risk reward and have it available reasonably priced with a PPA in terms of an LC or any kind of uh, security to kind of, Give the producers some comfort.
0: There seems to be lots of talk around uh, green hydrogen and hydrogen as a way to also uh, absorb some of these pockets of stranded energy. Also, just greening hydrogen in general could have significant effects on the global economy. What's your take on that, uh, developing large scale hydrogen power in North America?
1: Uh, Like I said, I think it's another mousetrap, and I think it could happen. It'd be a really big impact for the country. You have green hydrogen. There's obviously a huge need uh, for all kinds of hydrogen, green, blue, pink, you name the colors. Right, right.
0: Yeah, I didn't, by the way, I didn't know there were all these colors. There was, oh, there's turquoise. Colors. There was
1: turquoise, you could go on and on with the colors. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously green hydrogen with stranded wind and solar uh, projects has value, uh, has a ton of value. It's actually very expensive and there's, I've, there's the obvious question of I'm going to make electricity to make electricity. It's <laughs> just kind right. of a difficult story to really swallow and not to mention, you, you got to have water and there's all sorts of different issues with that. Uh, I'm really excited about blue hydrogen. I think blue hydrogen has a big space. You know, what's critical is not letting the CO2 go up in the, in the atmosphere. If right. it never goes into the atmosphere, you should be all, all about blue hydrogen because it's going to be a lot cheaper than green. You can scale right. different locations. But we end up seeing hydrogen is ammonia. That's something people don't talk about enough. Mm -hmm. Ammonia is going to have a huge impact and I think it's only coming out now. But ammonia is easy to transfer. works great for shipping. Uh, As they start making more of these ammonia facilities uh, and if they can make more modular, it would really help to kind of separate how that fuel source can be used.
0: What about the uh, challenges with bringing new technology to an industry that's been around for a long time. I mean, the energy industry, uh, what I remark is quite large, global in nature, but very small. I mean, it's very incumbent to some extent, but how do you displace, how do you sort of convince people to do things that Thing, you know, they, they've never thought of doing before. I mean, you know, disrupting space, thinking about it differently. How do you approach it? And how how would you advise folks that are like ourselves that are going to the industry and saying, Hey, we'd like to do something you probably didn't think would be worth it.
1: The thing I love to say is there's more money in change than not change. Hmm. And people are used to, especially big utilities or big energy producers. Hey, you know what I've done this hundred years? And it makes money every year. I get a limited, I make my return. But what ends up happening is it becomes a race. It becomes just a battle of cost capital. My cost Mm -hmm. capital is cheaper than yours. That means I'm better. I'm going to make more money. I win this race. And nothing, it becomes just a financial play. Now, with new technologies coming on, is trying Mm -hmm. to get them to align with the possibilities, with the security of what they're used to. So if you can really show them a great investment case for Mm -hmm. uh, new technology with limited Mm -hmm. amount of risk, they will be about it. They may be slow, but they'll definitely be interested. And uh, I think that's the challenge for everyone in this space is, hey, this energy transition doesn't have to be painful. It just has to be thought out well.
0: Uh, we're going to our lightning round here. Just want to hit you with a few interesting questions that we always ask our guests, uh, Renee. First place is, where do you get your news?
1: You know, I try to limit the amount of news I take in. Uh, yeah. I hate to say that, but it's so true. I think people watch way too much news and I think everyone should be informed. But I think for the average person, a nice 30 minute news broadcast will do people wonders. It doesn't get you worked up by watching news twenty four hours a day, and you actually focus on events rather than opinion.
0: I'm with you on that, Renee. I I, I actually uh, consciously try not to watch the news <laughs> or seek it out. Believe it or not, sometimes I'll be at, I'll be at the dinner table, and my wife will say, "Do you know? What, you know? What do you think about this that happened?" I'm like, "What? What, what happened?"
1: <laughs> well, you know, when we were kids. You know, you'd get home, and there'd be cartoons from three uh, thirty to four, and then you'd be mad that your mom and or dead or whoever wanted to watch the news for 30 minutes. Right. And that was the extent. And mm-hmm. I think if we went more to that, that would be a better country, a better world because not everyone's being worked up, angry at each other, arguing about points that most people don't know anything about. You know, I get, I get a kick out of where I hear some talking head on the news at some point or another talk about energy and I'm like, God, you don't know what you're talking about. But all right. it does is make people angry. And I think at, at a time in this world, I think uh, with what's happening in Ukraine, I think we yeah. could stand and just learn about facts, understand facts, make a decision on how you believe it, but then move on with life and try to become better neighbors with each other.
0: Amen. What, uh, what, what's your brief prediction for 2022? Anything, could be anything. Well, I'll say this.
1: I think, uh, you know, we had just mentioned Ukraine. I think yeah. there's going to be obviously a big influx in uh, fossil fuel production, and you know what? I think the time is right. I think it has to be done. I think it's one of those things. You know what? Everybody wants a transition, but yeah. it has to be done smart. And at the same, at where we are in the situation right now with Russia being a big producer, I think it's important that we have energy independence. At the same time, what I hope for and I expect is we don't keep our eye off the ESG story because it is important. The transition has to continue. You know, maybe it follows a different trajectory, but that's gonna be okay. As long as the trajectory still goes to an energy transition that makes the planet cleaner and more habitable for generations to come.
0: And last, what is your what's your one line response when you hear the word crypto?
1: You know, I think it's reimagining value mm-hmm. and the value of everything. For example, this is my first podcast ever right? Yeah. If it's a great podcast, maybe people want to say, Hey, I own the first podcast of Renee because he was good or it was terrible. This was the worst podcast ever. And that has right. value. But yeah. you think into other aspects of people's carbon footprints, you know, to mm. stick with the SG story, which is very important to me, mm. that has value. People's, uh, ideas, conversations, all that has value and how you define that value is what crypto is.
0: This has been great, Renee. I really appreciate, uh, the introduction to you and your business and having our podcast be the first podcast. podcast <laughs> <laughs> that you start what I'm sure will be a series of uh, conversations on pods about what you're doing and um, how you're helping to reshape the renewable energy space. So thanks for taking the time and I really appreciate that.
1: Thank you, John. This has been a, a lot of fun. and I hope it's helped to some people.
0: You can find more information on what you heard today in our show notes. To learn more about Saluna and our innovative projects, visit our website at salunacomputing.com or visit our blog, Clean Integration on Medium. To join our growing community, connect with us on LinkedIn by searching for Saluna and following our company page or tag us on Twitter. We're at Saluna Holdings. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to Clean Integration, a Saluna podcast. And remember... Computing is a better battery.